Let's turn to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, we started last week in Philippians chapter 1, and then on Sunday we, were, we just continued our, our, our study uh, there in Philippians, and now we're in Philippians chapter 1, verse 22, but uh, let's go ahead and just read 21. Um, well, let me give you guys a little recap just really quick. Paul, Paul is in Rome. He's locked up. Uh, he's, he's locked up to, chained up to a Roman guard. Uh, maybe there's rats in there. I don't know. This is just the, the scenery I get when I'm looking at it. But he is, he's, in, he's, he's able to encourage the church of Philippi in their suffering and the, the things that they're going through. And he had that koinonia, that fellowship uh, with the church of Philippi, even though he was miles away, even though it was 10 years since he's been with them. And, and Paul realized, you know what, not only his own sufferings, but he also realized the sufferings of uh, the church of Philippi as well. And he was able to encourage them in the midst of those sufferings that they were going through. So he realized, you know what, his chains were not in Nero. His chains were not in Rome. His chains were not to the Roman guard. His chains were in Christ Jesus. And, and we, like Paul, we are given uh, sufferings as a gift, uh, an opportunity, if you will, uh, to glorify the Lord in. And that word glorify is a strong word. And, and I think uh, as Bereans, we, we ought to study and, and research all of these things, right? And I think that's a major part of our life as a Christian is to glorify the Lord, is to fear the Lord and to honor the Lord in our, in our entire life. And that's what we're going to be doing throughout eternity. So why not start now, right? So he realized his, his chains were in Christ Jesus and Paul's life was in Christ. And that's it. No wonder he was able to fellowship. No wonder he was able to study and to sing and to rejoice uh, in Christ in his sufferings because it was, he was his life was onto the Lord. So uh, with that, let's just go ahead and start Philippians 1 verse, let's start in verse 21 actually. Go, it says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Amen. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct, uh, which is your personal behavior, right, um, be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, number one, but secondly, but also to suffer for his sake. Verse 30, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. So, And then obviously it's a continuation, so it goes on into chapter 2. But Paul was confident in his sufferings, here in our context here, in two ways. Number one, if you're taking notes, it's the dilemma uh, Paul faced is in verse 22 all the way to verses 26. 
And then secondly, the desire Paul had from verse 27 to verse 30. And so let's look at this dilemma uh, that Paul had here in verses 22 to 26. Uh, we, and by the way, we all go through dilemmas, right? Uh, Paul wanted to go to Philippi to go and encourage the church there. And yet the dilemma, he, he was also wanting to go and be with Christ as well. And, and, you know, if God really gave me an option, let's say God just appeared, you know, before me and he's like, Josh, I'm going to give you an option. Do you want to go to heaven right now or do you want to just stay here on earth? I'll be like, really? <laughs> you have to ask me that, you know, let's go, let's get out of this place. Um, but then as the more I studied, you know, uh, the book of Philippians, I realized, do you know what? Paul, Paul's got something going here. And I, I started to appreciate the ministry more so where Paul was torn between, I mean, come on, seriously, to, to some of us, it's like 100%. Let's get out of here, right? Let's go to heaven. Uh, but with Paul, it was more 50%, right? 50-50. Lord, I want to stay here, and my desire is a minister onto the body of Christ. And then the other 50% is, all, let's get out of here. So uh, it's pretty awesome as you read through Philippians here. Um, but it's, it's, not about, <clears throat> it's not about dying and going to heaven, by the way, um, it, which I, I hear that a lot. But it's about dying and being with Jesus. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. All right. It's all about the person and not about the place. Too many times do I hear just a lot of people around me, and I don't think they mean to say it like that, but they're like, man, I can't wait to go to heaven. Or, man, I can't wait to have a glorified body. But how many times do we hear, man, I can't wait to be with Jesus and, and see him and be, and you guys know what I'm saying? Just be caught up in Jesus. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's such a refreshment to hear that. But let's get caught up in the person rather than the place. Amen, church? Right? Otherwise, our, it's all about our motive. Where's our heart? Uh, and we just got to give ourselves a heart check every now and then, right? And see where, we're, where we stand with the Lord. Are we just trying to use God to as a, as a means of gain? Or are we going to... He is our gain. Is He your reward, you know, when we get to heaven? Or are you looking really for... Uh, street asphalts of gold, right? Like, we walk on that stuff up here, right? So who needs that? So really, our prize in the end, you know, we're going to lay down our crown before the Lord, but hopefully Jesus is our crown. You know, we're working on to Him, the person, and not for, you know, your building of, in your mansion in heaven or anything weird like that. So anyways, <clears throat> I don't want to get you guys too mad. You guys are getting too quiet on me here. But, okay, so when we come across a dilemma, you know, to move here, to fellowship there, you know, or, or do this, do that, uh, it really should uh, be based off of, number one, our calling, and number two, our motive. You know, what, what, if you have the right motive, you may end up in a place you, you never wanted to be in, but if you have the right, you know, the motive in going where the Lord's called you, then all of a sudden, uh, for instance, let's say the Lord calls you to, I don't know, China, right? And, and you go there to China. Let's say all of your support that you had just, just, they, they bailed on you and you have no support now. You have no place to live. It's not a horrible situation. Why? Because God called you there and now you're able to rejoice in that situation. But let's say you have just a good motive, but it's not a good calling. Now you go to that place just out of good motives. And now everything falls apart, and then you're falling apart. Why? Because it wasn't a calling from the Lord. And by the way, the whole world has a need. The whole world does. And so it doesn't mean you got to go there just because there's a need there. 
right? The whole world is very, very needy. So go to the place where God has called you and, and, uh, and, and just... That's, that's kind of the, that's where we want to find ourselves, right? So it, ask yourself the question, you know what? Is it really for your own benefit? Is it for your own pride, for your own gain, for your own popularity, for, your, for you, yourself, and I, right? Or is it for God? You know, it really, is it God's benefit that you're doing what you're doing and the calling that you have and the ministry that God's given you? And, and God is not so concerned, by the way, over geography, uh, but more so the heart of man. And he's looking at our hearts. So remember, there's always going to be that need, but only go where the Lord's called you. And, uh, you know, if you go to the wrong, if you go to a place where everything falls apart, praise the Lord, because God called you there, right? And that's, I just, I don't know how much, I wish I could go keep repeating myself over throughout the night, because I love that. Um, be where God has you and be content with, with where the Lord has you. Some people get there where God calls them and they're just throwing a fit because what they thought in their mind, what God was going to do, he chose not to do it, but he had different plans. Be okay with that. And, it, and it's okay. Just be content. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Okay. The fruit Paul wanted. Number one, look at verse 22. It says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. So Paul understood in verse 21, you know what? To live is Christ. It's because of Christ and it's through Christ, right? In addition to that, to die is gain. And he understood that there also needs to be fruit from his labor. And, and if I live on in the flesh, really carries the idea of living his life out. So the point is, Paul wanted his life to bear fruit, right? He desired tangible evidence uh, that his love for Jesus Christ was, was prominent, basically. And, and that would be manifest from the fruit that came through his life. And this is what you and I should do as well. And, and question, is there fruit being produced in your life? You know, question your salvation in, in a sense. If you don't see any fruit coming out of your life. But then again, some fruit, does, it's not rapid. It's not as fast. Some people, when they get a hold of the word of God, right, they get saved. And, and that fruit is just on perfect ground. And, and their heart is just devouring the word. And they're just soaking it in. And, and there's just fruit being produced like crazy, super fast. And, and other people and other fruit as well, right? Fruit takes Some fruit takes time. And it's okay. It, it doesn't have to be that that super fast, um, but so people are all in different different uh, areas with the Lord. But anyways, some people, you know, they choose to struggle in their life, and they they choose to uh, live in in a life of sin and and really just blocking God's will from being done in their life. And then they get mad at God because they're looking at other people and they're saying, "Lord, but look at them. How come I?" You know and and you're, you're kind of messing yourself up there because you're looking to others now and you're not looking to Christ. And so we need to yield to the Lord in all areas of our life in order to continually grow in, the, in where the Lord wants us, right? And so turn with me actually to John chapter 15. John 15, um, I want to show you guys something. John 15, this fruit that Jesus talks about should be coming about for one reason. One reason, for the glory of God himself. Um, John chapter 15, look at verse 8. It says, By this my Father, Jesus says, is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So Jesus Christ desires for you and I to bear much fruit. Why? 
Why? What, what, what is it? So we validate or we prove that uh, who we are is in him, right? And that's where the fruit comes from. So Jesus said, you will be my disciples. That's a, that's a promise from the Lord right there. Disciple simply means that you're a follower of Jesus' teachings. And, and, and that's where it is. You believe 100% what Jesus says, right? You believe 100% of creation if God said he created in six days everything that is, hey, God created it. He rested the seventh day. Oh, maybe that actually means a couple millions of years, actually. It doesn't really mean one day, right? No, no. It says it. Believe it. Well, the prophecy says this, but blah, 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 blah. History Channel says, no, no, no. You believe it because God said it, right? So when you become a believer, that's it. You believe 100% from Genesis to Revelation and who Jesus says he is. And by the way, this whole book is about Jesus, right? Even Revelation, it's a vision, one, of who? Jesus. It's not Revelations, by the way, with the S. So anyways, um, if we say we're Christ-like or Christians, right, same thing, there needs to be fruit. So there needs to be evidence in our lives, really, that we're born again. And Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And understand this here. Now, bearing fruit is not something that we do ourselves, okay? And, and we can't work at it. We can't strive for it. We can't do anything, really. Uh, it has to be a work of Jesus Christ from start to finish. It has to be the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. And that's by His grace that He even produces anything out of us, right? Because as we learned on Sunday, if there's nothing good in us, right, Romans 3, we then how is good coming out of us? It just doesn't make sense. So, but it has to be Christ in us, and then Christ comes out of us in that sense. So, are you sure? Yes. Look look at John chapter 15. Look at verse 4. It says, Abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. There it is. Underline there. There, put your name right there, too. You can't bear fruit of yourself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you... Unless you abide in me, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do a little bit of stuff, right? You can do everything, right? What does it say? Nothing. Oh, come on, Lord. Just I could do something, right? I could help you, Lord, right? Oh, man, how many people say that in their prayers? Yikes. So that, that's the key. Just abide in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's it. That's what the Christian life is all about. You just hang in there, man. Just stay close to the Lord and your Christian walk with the Lord. And, and what, that's what keeps you, um, what keep, okay, well, here's the question. What keeps you from your relationship with Christ? Sin. Right? Romans 3.23 again. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're, we're not perfect, but when you fall as a believer, when you stumble, right, you, you trip, you get back up. And how do you do that? You get back up by repenting and you turn from your sin, your wicked ways. And you turn to the Lord and there's that humility again, right? That song that they're saying, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. I love that song. Anyways, um, so we need, to, we need to come before the Lord and, and just continually bring our hearts onto the Lord and by that, watch and see what the Lord might do by you humbling yourself and giving up, right? And just saying, Lord, I'm yours. Here I am. Let's do this. And, and, and let you do this, right? And even if he doesn't use you, praise the Lord. 
right? It's still, it's still, you're giving him the, the availability in that sense. So some people, they choose to stay in that, that lifestyle of sin and, and really, uh, they blame God for not using them, but really it's because they they love their sin more, and that's a sad thing. So there's no such thing, by the way, as a lone ranger believer in Christ. Um, we need each other as the body of Christ, and that's why we started in chapter 1 from the beginning about finding that joy and fellowship, and there is joy and fellowship when it's in Christ Jesus. Even though that fellowship may not be all that perfect, um, but it is perfect because it's in Christ Jesus. And, and it's pretty amazing. So we, we need each other. We need the Lord. You know, we need each other more so for that accountability and for that, um, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another. Um, so we need one another. And we need Jesus Christ working in and through us to validate really the fact that we're his disciples. So that is the only way that you and I can bear fruit. Okay? So if it's not about you, you know, doing good deeds and good works and this and that, it's not about the more syndrome about, you know, thinking somehow that, you know, if you attend church more, if you give more, if you read more, if you pray more, if you fast more, you know, maybe if I just do this more. No, 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 no. There's no way because you did all that more that you're going to achieve some kind of status with God. No, it's about you and I um, really just offering our hearts to the Lord, right? And, And really realizing that we can't offer anything to the Lord. Um, and that's the that's the thing right there where you're like, wait, what? How did that? It's the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. You know, you get out of the way, and that's what true ministry is. It's the work of the Lord. So you're not going to glorify God simply by doing these things, right? That that would be the fruit of the flesh. So that would mean the world can glorify the Lord in the flesh. Because if if I can glorify God. Just by doing things, I'm going to be at church all week long, right? I'm going to be reading the Bible all the time. If it's just by the, the works that I do, then then uh, there's something that I would be doing. But your fruit, we got to understand, is rotten. Your fruit is, you know, for, for nothing really. And it's to be thrown out, just like in John 15, that we, you can read the whole chapter there. Um, and But only what the Holy Spirit does in your life is what he's pleased with, right? Zechariah 4, 6, what an awesome verse to memorize. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's by him and not by us. So when we abide in Jesus Christ, when uh, he is our rock, he's our fortress, he's our high tower, right? Now all of a sudden, Colossians 1, 27 says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? It's Christ in you the hope of glory and so he'll get that uh he'll be that hope and that glory right he will bear fruit in and through our lives so remember in galatians 5 22 that the only fruit he wants us to produce is love and by the way that's the singular right when i said fruit he wants us to produce that love and the other nine are just they follow alongside right they all describe what love is so Everything flows from the stem of love. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And James 1, 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So 
just recognize these gifts that come from the Lord, they're all good. And everything he gives you is good. And now we will begin to understand this. Like Paul, he told the Corinthians that it's the love of Christ that constrains me, he says, that compels me. So as we abide in Christ and his love, he'll produce that fruit in and through our lives and validating, proving, really, that we're his disciple in Christ. Secondly, let's go back to Philippians here. Uh, It's the choice that Paul had. The choice that Paul had. Look at verse 22 again. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, he says. So let's just start again. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. So uh, it's the choice that Paul had. The the choice was really twofold, if you see this in verse 22 and 23. Uh, Number Uh, first, it's to depart, really, in verse 23. Look at verse 23. It says, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So he understood that when he dies, he was going to be with Jesus Christ. And he want, we want that as well, right, as, as believers in Christ. The more I see the news, the world around me, the things that are happening in our own neighborhoods, in our own city, it's, it's just like, oh, Lord, get me out of here. Seriously, I have to be in the same world as those people, you know. And, and, uh, and, and today, you know, I had a conversation. I work in an assistant living facility, and I went over to this, uh, this lady, and she, uh, she's, I'm fixing her TV, you know. And she just opened up and just all sad. She's all, yeah, it's broken, just like I am. And, and it's, it's dead, just like I want to be. And she was just sad. And, and I was able to talk to her and be like, what's going on? And, you know, her family doesn't visit her, you know, and, and things like that. And they just kicked her out to the curb kind of thing. And that's how she's feeling. And I was able to share the gospel with her. And she was able to receive everything that I had to say because she understood something about life and death, and she understood, you know what, I don't even want to be here anymore. And I said, you know, praise the Lord, that's probably a good thing. You know, the Lord, the Lord is uh, he's near more so than what we realize, and it's true for all of us of all ages, right? Um, but um, praise the Lord. Um, I don't even know why I said that. Well, just, just to say that the world is... Uh, the world's crazy, right? The world is falling apart, and it's sad. Our families do stuff. Our best friends do stuff. We can't trust anybody, really. And In fact, the Bible doesn't tell us to trust anybody, right? It tells us to trust in the Lord only. But look at verse 23 in the middle. It says, Paul says, which is far better. So no question about that. God uh, is good, right? And, and it's good to be with him, and, and we're going to be in our glorified body, and by far it's better than the things of this world. But understand two important things Paul is making in verse 23. When we depart from this world, we will be with Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, We are confident, yes, we uh, are well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Jesus told the, the thief on the cross in Luke 23, Today you shall be with me in paradise, right? So realize there's no such thing, by the way, as, um, what is it called, soul sleep or purgatory. That's all man-made stuff. That's all just, there's nothing in the Bible that even alludes to it. Obviously, it doesn't even talk about it in the Bible. So that's all, you can get that, other, that stuff from other books outside of the Bible if you want. But all of those things are, are just silly. So when we die, we will be with Christ. Amen, church? 
It's going to be awesome. So if you have been, if you've given your life to the Lord, that is as uh, as a believer. So uh, let's look at the second thing right here. It's not only to depart, but it's to remain. Look at verse twenty four. It says, uh, "Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you." So it's almost selfish to be to want to be with Jesus right now uh, and realize it's more needful to be with the church right now is kind of what Paul is saying here. And, and, and uh, obviously, we're, we're a needy group. Um, well, the other churches are a needy group, right? Not, not really us. But we all need help. Hey, some, some more than others, right? Don't, don't nudge anybody there. But um, as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another, right? We need each other. But the true need is here on earth. And, and not, not, what I'm not saying is to feed the hungry, to go out there and do some big old crusades by you know, housing the, the homeless, and all those things are good and wonderful, by the way, but to present the gospel as a top priority. You guys get these, you know, the communities come together, all the pastors come together. Uh, I, I viewed this online where uh, in California, I was, I, was, uh, I was volunteering at the city of Temecula there, and, and we did a big old thing where they brought all the pastors from all Marietta and Temecula and California together, and from all different faiths, right? They're all in there, and they said, okay, guys, we need to do something for our community. You know, this is happening, murder's happening, drug violence is going up, and this and this, and they did the whole, all that stuff. And they're like, so what can we do? And these are pastors, and they're like, we, we, we'll set up, you know, a food pantry there in the street, and we'll do this, and we'll feed the clothes, we'll give people clothing, we'll do, and I was like, really? Not one person said, no, we'll give them the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Wow, talk about true change. It's Jesus that can change a community. And it's just, it's a, wow, are you seriously? You, I don't know, I was yelling at my computer. I was like, come on, that's it. <laughs> ah. But anyways, um, uh, true change is, it's, it's, not, it's not doing those things. And I admit, I admit it, um, my heart has been in a place where, not recently, but it's been in a place where I've been like, Lord, and, and normally it's when you're just, you know, you're going through something, and you're like, Lord, just take me. Just get me out of this place, right? I'm sure we've all done that. when We're, we're crying, and we're like, let's just, let's go now. And he's all, no, just wait, wait, right? I got you there for a reason. And, and, uh, and usually what he does to my heart is he ministers to me and says, you know, the, the work's not done. There's much work to be done yet. And I want to use you. And that's why your heart's pounding right now. And so I realized at that moment, you know what, Josh, I'm, I'm being selfish. You know, I gotta, I gotta get my focus back and not, I'm not thinking about the needs of others. I'm thinking about myself now. And, and that's a tactic of the enemy. But what about those people that have committed suicide? You know, what if they're believers? And what if they've, you know, taken their own life? Realize it's not your life, first of all. You can't, you, you can't do with it as you like because it doesn't belong to you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So our bodies belong to Jesus Christ. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the the world and those who dwell therein. So we are God's creation. He is the only one that has the right to take our lives. 
If I planted a garden, right, this is my garden right here. If I planted this and you guys came into my backyard and you're like, oh, I hate this garden, and you just started taking it apart and smashing it and jumping on it, that's wrong. You don't have the right to do that, right? But if I went into my garden and I started smashing it and taking it apart, it's not wrong because I'm the, I, I made that. It was my own little garden. And I have the right to destroy my garden if I want to. And it's the same thing with the Lord. You're not your own. You're the Lord's. He has the right to take you out whenever he wants. And he does have a set time for each and every one of us. But you don't have the right to take another's life or your own life because you're the Lord's. So um, Job chapter 1 even talks about the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hebrews even talks about it's appointed once unto man to die. Or I'm sorry. uh, Yeah. It's appointed unto man to die once. And then the judgment. So it's God who makes the appointment and not you. Amen? So suicide is the most selfish, most prideful, uh, self-centered act that we can ever do in our entire life. And people that talk about suicide, uh, I know it sounds strange, but it kind of delights my heart. Because, you know, the people that have come to me in in my office or around me and they're like, Hey, you know what? I I just want to commit suicide. And obviously I understand, you know, protocol, you gotta call the cops on them or whatever. Get, they need help, right? But I like it because I'm able to say I can relate to them because that's how, that's how I came to the Lord. Man, I was, I was a 13, 12, 13. I was gonna, I went to the restroom and I was like, that's it. I'm done with life. And I was like, ah, I'm not gonna do that. That hurt, right? <laughs> ah, but I wanted to give up my life. And but uh, so I decided, you know what, I am going to give up my life. I'm going to give it to Jesus and I'm going to live for the Lord and I'm not going to live for myself. And I'm able to interact with them and say, why don't you give up your life? Why don't you live for the Lord? Just die to yourself and and obviously share the gospel with them and 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 explain that to them. Right. You don't want to leave them hanging and be like, need some help. What's going on? Right. (laughs) You want to you want to give them the word. So um, anyways, um, I think you guys understand that. So, uh, yeah, let's just go on. So what about those who have committed suicide, right? Uh, well, consider this. Uh, only rejecting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, it really keeps you out of heaven, right, in that sense. So that's kind of the on, uh, you're just not going to go to heaven if you don't, you don't know the Lord. So you can, you can choose to be chosen to go to heaven, Right, uh, Romans three twenty three for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans three eleven there is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. So we're all in trouble. Hey, Jeremiah seventeen verse nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God knows, and and we know we will be in His presence because our faith is in Him as the church. But should we sin that grace may abound? Paul says, certainly not, right? So it's not like we're going to go on sinning and we're going to do our own thing. Um, friends, when you realize you're born again, we are free from sin, not free to sin, okay? Understand that. Now, this, this, you, uh, you're, you're coming in his, his presence now, if that's the case, with unconfessed sin, if you take your life. And that's a place I wouldn't want to be, right? You got all this unconfessed sin in your heart, entering into his presence. Um, not really a fun place. So I'll, I'll let you guys chew on that one. I'm not going to give you the answer. But anyways, the, let's look at the third thing here. The conclusion that Paul drew, it's in verse 25. Look at verse 25. It says, And being confident of this, 
I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. So three reasons Paul concluded why he should remain with the, the, the church of Philippi. It was, number one, it was for their progress. Notice in verse 25 in the beginning, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress. And Paul understood to be in heaven. Man, that's great. That's glorious. Second Corinthians chapter 12, I think it's chapter 12. Uh, Paul's talking about, you know, I, you know, I know a man, you know, and he got caught up into heaven. I think he's talking about himself here, right? And, and it was glorious. It was inex, you, you couldn't even describe the things of heaven. And I kind of picture, like, you couldn't even describe colors. Like, was there other colors? Like, how was it? And it was like, it was like the flesh couldn't even describe what the spirit is like. It was just so hard. And, uh, and Paul's, Paul went to heaven, you know, and he saw all these things. How much more, you know, would you want to go to heaven, Paul? And he's, but he's torn between the two, to, to go to heaven or to stay with the church. And that's a heart of a pastor right there, man, to stay with the flock, not to abandon them when things get tough, right? When suffering comes, oh, it's too hot, I'm out of here. You see their true motive at that point. But progress, it means advancement. It means grow. It means mature. And one reason you as a believer are alive today is for you to come alongside another believer and come alongside others and help them grow and progress in their walks with Jesus. And that's through the gifts and the callings that God has given us as a church, right? And it brings us together. Uh, so secondly, it's for their joy. Look at verse 25, the end of verse uh, 25. Uh, with you all for your progress and joy of faith. So in remaining with them, Paul would bring them joy if he stayed behind with the church. We can be a blessing to people's lives or we can be a bummer to people's lives. You know, it's one or the other. It's your perspective on things too. So I pray when people see us, man, they're going to see a heart of love. They're going to see a people who love Jesus, and it's going to be contagious. And, and they're going to want and desire Jesus, and they're not going to want and desire, you know, church in that sense. They're not going to want and desire uh, just to be social or want and desire to dress like you and talk like you. They're going to want and desire Jesus. You guys see where I'm going here? So, um, it's all about Jesus. And I, I love that. I love seeing you guys. I love it when I come up to you guys. I, I'm just like, hey, how are you doing already? I'm being encouraged by it. it doesn't, you don't even have to say anything. You guys are just smiling. It's like, ah. Isn't that like a, a refreshment? You know, you're with the world all day. Then you come and you see the church and you're like, ah. You know, it's like a, ah. I just like, imagine how heaven's going to be more so, right? It's going to be amazing. So thirdly, for their rejoicing. Look at verse 26. It says that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So Paul knew that his coming to them would bring rejoicing in their hearts. And Paul wanted their rejoicing to be abundant. Paul, or, But notice, Paul's coming to them didn't make them rejoice abundantly in Paul, but in Christ. Notice that at the, the end there, verse 26. It's not rejoicing abundantly in Paul. So it's a danger when you guys give the, the gospel, you make disciples, right? You're doing Bible studies with them and they're growing and they're, 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 you know, there's just amazing stuff happening with them. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're rejoicing in you. <laughs> Whoa, something happened wrong there instead of Jesus Christ. So we are never to draw people onto ourselves. We are to draw them 
and point them to Jesus Christ. You know, we see this in the church today in a lot of mega churches, right? Where the, the pastor's name is just plastered all over the place. It's, uh, you know, my ministry, so-and-so's ministry, Stephen Furtick's ministries, you know, like, you guys know what I'm saying? What are you going to name the book? Let's name it my name. What are you going to name this uh, hallway right here? Let's put my name on it. What are you going to name? You know what I'm talking about. I'm disgusted, by the way, when I hear all that. I'm like, really? Seriously? You, you put your own name right there of your own radio show? It's all about you and your... I'm sorry. Probably I'm offending you. I'm sorry. Um, that's just me. I'm sorry. That's not what the... Bible. But anyways, the, the, when, we, when we come to that place, though, we point people to Christ, it's just going to be an encouragement. And we're... You know, physically, by teaching them, we're encouraging these, the, the, the church, the body, but also we're pointing them to Christ, you know, in your hearts. You're praying for them and you're, you're giving them over to the Lord uh, inwardly as well. So I, I've seen worship leaders, you know, where, you know, they're doing worship even, and then at the end they're like, you guys want to, and they're looking for that applause, you know, and I, that's why I'm so grateful for this church. They, uh, I clap and they're like, hey, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It was, I'm used to it. But, but I love that. Some other churches, they really, that's what they crave and that's what they live for is that applause from man, is that pat on the back. But we got to give our hearts to Jesus, man. We got to give everything that we do onto Jesus and not look for that pat on the back in that sense, right? Give the glory to the Lord. Um, otherwise it's your flesh and our, our, uh, we don't need to be get the approval of man. So point them to Jesus, and then uh, you know when you get a chance, then uh, and that's the the best thing you can do. So um, Paul's heart is that they would rejoice in Christ. Our flesh likes to hear, you know, wow, that was like the best song I've ever heard, or the best thing, whatever it is, right, that you're doing. Uh, that's your flesh that loves and desires that stuff, man. You. You begin to rejoice in yourselves, and you got to be careful with that. You got to watch out. You got to give them to Jesus. So let's look at the desire that Paul has. Look at verse. It's through verse twenty-seven through verse thirty. His desire is for unity, a oneness in mind and 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 heart. By the way, and and uh, let's look at verse twenty-seven. It says, "Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit." with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. And for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. So that word stand fast, by the way, it means unmoving there in verse uh only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and then he's talking about, I hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. And, and uh, you know, the faith in the gospel. So Paul desired unity in their conduct. You know, twice in the New Testament, and, and uh, it's also in verse 27, Acts 23, verse 1, uh, right, right here, that's twice that it is mentioned right here, that Paul is design, desiring unity in your conduct and the things that we do. So we get our English word citizenship from that as well. Our, our conduct speaks of our life, our personal behavior, to really to lead uh, as whole with no comp- compromise. And it's the way we 
Um, the way we walk, not the way we talk, right? Because we can say one thing and do yet the other. But it speaks of who we are and, and who is over us and what has been entrusted to us. And, and uh, I've heard of a translation saying, God has entrusted to you and me the gospel of Jesus Christ, and thus our life, our citizenship, needs to be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how can be... How can we be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It means to, to measure up to. And we need to be like-minded and united and really death to ourselves and alive to Christ Jesus. So realize there's one church. Jesus is the builder of that church. And today we see the enemy, man, he's infiltrating our, our lines. And he's doing, you know, that old tactic called division. And it's sad. We, we really need to agree when it comes to biblical doctrine, right? And that's where we need to stand as well. We're, we're all different, but we have one mind, one goal, one heart. Don't divide over your thoughts, over your feelings, over, oh, you know, the coffee was so cold that day at church. I don't want to go to that church, right? Oh, the, the building looked a little old. It's not modern and hip like the other one. It's, you know, they have the old outdated speakers at this one, but this one over, that's silliness, right? Don't do that, by the way. Um, don't divide over that stuff. Divide more so from others to shame them from their lifestyle of sin and, and that they might repent and turn back to the Lord if that's the case. That's when we divide from, from them because they're the wolves, right? And they just want to devour the sheep. So let's look at the second thing here. Paul desired unity in their courage. Look at verse 28. It says, and not all, not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition. So Paul not only wanted to see unity in what they did, but also in what they think. And don't be afraid of your enemies. Paul is in Rome. You know, he's, he's uh, tied to these, the Roman guards and, and uh, you know, it's stinky in there probably. He's probably awaiting a death sentence at this point. And still he's able to say to the church of Philippi, guys, don't be afraid of your enemy. What do you mean, don't be afraid, Paul? Like, don't you understand your situation? Why? Be, why not be afraid? Because really, it says for the sake of perdition there in verse 28. Perdition means doom, means destruction, means despair. And when we're not afraid of our enemies, it is a proof that to them that their destruction is coming, is what it's saying here in the text. Since we know their destruction is close, there's no reason for us to be afraid but rather we should be broken for them and all the more confident in the Lord, right? So 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Matthew 10.28 says, And do not, be, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So it's for the sake, not only uh, for perdition, but it's also for salvation. And look at the end of verse 28. It says, Proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. So it's a sign to you, a picture of your deliverance. And when we understand that the enemy will be attacking and, and, and suffering will happen, we, we, we gotta understand that, because it will happen, right? When we are not fearful of it, it proves really our salvation. Because if you're in the world, and, and, and something terrifying comes your way when the fire comes, you're out of there, right? What? There's no reason to stay in that fire. And it's kind of like the disciples. How are they all martyred except for John, even though he got thrown into the hot oil, right? But all of them were martyred 
Um, and, and how did they get through all that? Why did they go to the point of martyrdom if they were not certain about their faith in Christ, if they doubted Christ, if they were not true followers of Christ? But they were, and that was the sign that they truly were because they went through it. So when we die, we know what's going to happen to us. Therefore, we don't fear what man can do to us because, you know, compared to what God has in store for us, it's this world... The, the worst it can bring us is the best place it can bring us, really, right? It's in the presence of God. So, note carefully where all of this comes from. At the end of verse 28, it says, uh, and that from God, right? Not being terrified of your enemy is not something we work at. It's from God. He's in control all of the time. So, in your sufferings, in your, really in your salvation, in, in everything, and God's doings, and it's through the cross of Calvary, right? That that was made possible for you and I. That we entered in because of the bloodshed on the cross. He allowed us entrance into the kingdom of God. And I love it how that's been the same thing from day one. If you go back to Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you keep seeing the cross and the, 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 really the story of, of redemption throughout all the scriptures of the Old Testament and throughout obviously the New Testament. But you even see the, the the nation of Israel. How are they traveling? Why does my Bible say, you know, this many were on the right side of the tabernacle, that much on this side, and a whole bunch on the south side, and a whole bunch, some of them on this side. And then when you get that helicopter view of all those numbers, you see that they were traveling in the shape of a cross. How did that happen? Right from way back then, the world's looking down at them, and they're seeing a cross. Whoa, that's crazy. So throughout the whole Bible, and, and I'm sure we're going to continue to get through all that, but you just see Jesus through everything, and it's amazing. So um, I don't know what I was saying, where I was going with that, but Paul, let's come to the third thing. Paul talks about their conflict. Look at verse 29. It says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So Paul desired their unity in their conflict. And they had a, a conflict like Paul does, right? About wanting to be with Christ and about staying with the church, with the fellowship there. And Paul understood that they had received the same gifts as him. And, and number one, that's to believe. There in verse 29 at the very beginning, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him. And there it is. This gift has been granted to you and me today as well, that we would believe on him, right? We need to understand that believing in him is a gift from Christ Jesus. And we can't take any credit in that, by the way, I understand your responsibility and your partnership with Christ Jesus, right, and salvation through uh, really choosing to be chosen by him and, 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 and in, the, in the work of salvation. So really, it's not a work of the flesh, but it's a work of the spirit. Uh, John fifteen sixteen says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. Ephesians, Ephesians 1 talks about just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And, and you know, Romans 8 talks about, you know, he predestined us, he elected us. Um, truly, the sovereignty of God, by the way, is here. So how does that go with your free will? 
Yes, we have a free will. Yes, we have a choice. Yes, we need to choose to be chosen in that sense. And, and, and Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have a choice in the matter. And Jesus died for the whole world, by the way, not just the little elect, right? Just the little few. Uh, some of you Calvinists are like, I'm going to throw my shoe at you right now. How dare you? But John 3.17 even says, For God did not send his Son in, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. And there it is, not uh, willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there it is. It's all laid out for you. You have a choice to choose him. And, and it's awesome. I love it. It's not like, a, you know, some people were born to go to heaven and some people were not born to go to heaven. No, you are all born to know Christ, but it's you who choose to stay away from Christ Jesus. Um, let's look at verse, the end of verse 29. Here it is. To, uh, it says to suffer here. Um, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his for his sake. So it's not only a gift by God, but it's also a promise by God. What? Suffering. And, and John 16, 33, the, the famous verse that we all love, right? It says, these things, Jesus says, I, I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Okay, I like it right there. Let's just stop right there. We got to keep going on. Okay, let's go. It says, in the world you will have tribulation. Amen, church? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Who is it that overcomes? First John talks about, but he really believes in Jesus Christ, right? Who's, who's covered by his blood. So you can, that's your research right there, your homework. Um, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, look at verse 12. Because um, suffering is linked to godliness as well. Suffering's linked to godliness? Are you kidding me? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. And that's all it says, right? Yep. No, it will suffer persecution. Oh, why'd you say that? If you desire to, if you desire to love God, Right. And to, to, to live a godly life onto the Lord. Well, guess what? You're going to suffer for him. They didn't tell me this when I put my hand up for salvation. Oh, man, you tricked me, you guys. Oh, right. Well, how about that? If you want to serve Jesus, you got to die. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> That's not good. Well, you, you, Got to give up your life. You got to give up who you are. But guess what? It's Christ in you who's going to do that change. So you really don't got to clear it all up. It's Christ who's going to clear it all up. And he begins to transform you and do a work in you. The more you continue to seek his word, his word is really filtering out all that junk that's in our minds and in our hearts. And now you're clean and you're washed. Why? By his word. And, and really is through the cross of Calvary that we're washed by his blood. And now we're, uh, man, you're made right before the Lord because of the Lord. Not because of you and your great works, right? But because of Jesus Christ. So if you desire to follow him, 
Understand, you're going to suffer for him, but guess whose strength is going to be in you? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? It's not about you going through suffering all by yourself. It's about Jesus. So there's joy in suffering. Amen? Amen, church? You guys aren't too excited about that one. Um, didn't hear a thunderous amen. It was more like, amen. Hey, man! I, thought, I think that's what you guys say. Hey, man, if you desire him... You know, his desire for you is really his people. And, and he's going to burden you for his people to reach the lost. And he's going to burden you to continue to teach and train up and disciple the lost. And, and that they might know him as well. So he's got us here for a reason, guys. We're in the end times. Stuff's coming to a close. It's coming to a wrap. Stop thinking we're going to live here for 100 years because we're not. Um, we probably, hey, if we do, praise the Lord too. But... Um, I think we're coming to a close and we got to be ready. We got to be watchful and we got to let our conduct be in Christ Jesus. That when the world sees us, we're pointing to him in every opportunity and we're giving them Jesus. We're not giving them church, churchianity, Christianity, all this stuff. We're giving them Jesus, right? Bring it back to the person and not to the place, right? We're, we're gonna, we're, we're confident in this that when we die, we're gonna be with the Lord and it's gonna be amazing. Right? Amen? Amen. So let's go ahead and pray if you guys don't mind. I hope you guys don't mind that we went a little early here too. Um, Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And I would just ask, Lord, that you would continue to remind us of your promises that we have in you. And one of those promises that we learned tonight is uh, that, Lord, we will go through suffering. We will go through tribulation for your name's sake. And if we find ourselves locked up or in, in a situation like a prison, uh, all because we follow you and because we serve you, remind us, Lord, of that, that heart and that love that we have. And then uh, it's because of you. And, and help us, Lord, to rejoice because of you, that we're able to go through those things for you. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, for what's to come. And allow us, Lord, not to be naive and uh, not knowing your word, uh, but rather uh, being alert, Lord, being watchful and occupying to the time you come. And I pray that you would just give us that eagerness, Lord, and that really to yearn uh, more for your work in and through our lives. So teach us, train us, encourage us, Lord, and really fill us with your spirit, Lord, because we know we can't, Lord, but we know that you can. And so we love you so much, Lord. And I also ask that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would give their lives over to you, that truly their hearts would respond uh, to you and, and that they would begin to live uh, the life that you called them to. It might not be a wonderful, pretty life, but really it is when it's in you. And uh, I just ask that you would uh, give them uh, your heart, Lord, as well. And so uh, continue to do that work, Lord, here in this fellowship. Continue to uh, stir us up for love for one another and uh, just continue to help, have us just pour out our hearts before you, Lord, on our knees and just being uh, uh, humbling ourselves before your presence, Lord. Uh, unless you want to humble us, Lord, and that's even worse. But but just thank you, Lord, so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for your your word, and uh, we just love you. In Jesus' name, amen.